Penny Lane Dreadful 2 Dave Chat Part 1 to Joe, like, you know, just about one of them, whether you could talk about her or not, but she actually saw a leprechaun in Kensington when she lived oh, there. Oh, wow. Yeah. Like, she wow. was walking You'll down... That up. Yeah. Down... She was walking, like, down the Bear's Paw, and a leprechaun, in a, a, a midget in a leprechaun suit with, like, little bells on his toes and, like, all green... Oh, wow. Like, walked, walked past her, up past the Bear's Paw. The voice you have just heard is that of Captain Dave Bowen, a Liverpool-based Lancashire-born folk singer who I have chosen to discuss with me today my A to Z of high strangeness in and around the Merseyside area, which you can read on my blog by clicking the link below. Dave isn't originally from Merseyside and most of what we talk about only tenuously relates to the article, but still, give it a listen. Hello. Hi. Hello, so Dave. a brief in hello, Matt, and a brief introduction to myself. I'm, I'm honoured to be invited as the first guest on Matt's podcast. My name's Dave Owen. I'm a, I'd say like a, I'm a backing musician for, for, Matt, uh, for some of Matt's creative endeavours. Um, I like to play, been playing guitar for, for a good few years and uh, I caterwaul some harmonies behind his songs as well. Um, so yeah, I think you could say says somebody who's like a creative, um, yeah, a creative friend of Matt's, and also, like I said uh, earlier, which probably be edited out, I'm quite adequate at plugging things in. So I'm one of the few friends Matt has that could actually uh, um, organise a Zoom <laughs> conference yeah. call without, uh, you know, without messing it up somehow. <laughs> yeah, well, I had very. You know, a lot of difficulty figuring out how to do this. So, um, you're not from Liverpool, are you, Dave? Uh, I'm not. No. I'm from a, a town in between Blackburn and Burnley called Oswald Twistle. And Os- Oswald Twistle. Oswald Twistle. Yes, Oswald Twistle. And um, yeah, Oswald Twistle is known for a few things. The spinning jenny was invented there. And it also had more deaths per head in the First World War than anywhere else in the world. Brilliant. Uh, yeah, so cotton and sorrow are generally the two staples of where I'm from. Is there like a, a rich folklore there? Sort of, you know? Yeah, I think that the folklore uh, generally be found elsewhere as well, you know. Um, folklore that I can think of was Ginny Green Teeth. And I know that Ginny Green Teeth... Yeah, and you'll get that in Yorkshire. You get anywhere where there's... A lake, really, yeah. wasn't there? Because it's a cautionary tale to stop um, children going near water, which there is a lot of around where I'm from, you know, like ponds and puddles for them to drown in. So, um, yeah. yeah, so there is that. Um, I know lots of personal experiences, of, well, a couple of personal experiences of ghosts from, from the family. Like my grandma lived in a haunted house. Um, she, well, she thought it was. What she said was that there was... Um, 
the, the, a, a man had died in the bedroom above their living room and he used to sit in that room and rock on a rocking chair and smoke a pipe. And oh. sometimes you could hear from upstairs a rocking sound and smell pipe tobacco. Okay. Because there was about four people in that house that smoked, you know. <laughs> and rocked in a rocking chair regularly. It was quite a creaky house, yeah. <laughs> it was an old te- Victorian terrace, yeah. yeah. <clears throat> Generally, the, the ambience of the place was, yeah, smoky, dusty, cre- creaky, creepy. Although I, I often got feelings of dread, but okay. that was also just... <laughs> Because <laughs> I don't know whether that was paranormal or not. <laughs> uh, I'm going to go through the first one, first of all. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to... There is one. Oh, go on. The White Lady of Salmsbury Hall. That is a paranormal round where we live. And it's an old Tudor hall called Salmsbury Hall. Okay. Out out by Blackburn. And the White Lady of Salmsbury Hall. I think Tom Slemon would describe her as one of them projection-type ghosts, you know, like a a, a past echo that's been recorded by the rocks or something, you know. But she, Yeah, stone tape. She's like a... Because she walks and you only see her midriff, like her midriff by the floor. So like her floor is like three to four feet under our floor. So you see her midriff walk along the grounds, like, you know... So, okay. um, you well, know, what's the reason for that? They, they built the house. Yeah, it must they built be like a new version of the house. And, and yes, lower down. Salmsbury Hall is an old Tudor hall. So obviously, Tudor halls were made out of wood, like okay. black and white wood, weren't they? So there's no way that has survived. It's a recreation, but it must be that the foundations and the rooms of the original um, Salmsbury Hall were three to four foot down from the it's original one. Because isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Well, even more unfortunate is they built a bypass and a little chef also across her path, you know. Oh, right. So she, so so she, can she actually appears walk. in the little chef. Sometimes when you're enjoying a, a big seven burger, <laughs> yeah, she'll walk under the table. <laughs> I think cats, well, cats are very spiritual creatures, aren't they? They're always, you know, witches liked cats and that. And as you know, I live at the foot of Pendle Hill. And I know that a couple of years ago, there was um, an electricity substation at the foot of Pendle, which was built on the grounds of an old cottage. So the old cottage was underneath. Like, so if you scanned the ground, you'd find the foundations underneath it. Now... When they were putting this electricity substation up, like on the grounds, they, um, they dug and they found a mummified cat. Oh, right. Yeah, about 500 years old, like medieval mummified cat in the foundations of this old cottage or what was left of the old cottage, you know. Spooky stuff. Why would, would that, you know, is, was that a thing for witches to mummify cats? 
Well, it must have been some sort of significance. I mean, it's like they, they find bottles full of teeth and things, don't they? Um, which, is, which is urine as well. Yeah, to catch uh, bad stuff. I, I don't yeah. know why they, some of them mummified a cat. Yeah. There must have been some sort of reason for it. The Egyptians did used to mummify cats as well, though. And actually, in Liverpool, they, they brought a load of mummified cats through Liverpool's docks. Um, instead <laughs> of you know giving them to the museum, they just auctioned them off. And whoever bought them just smashed them all up and used it as manure. Must have been a bargain, then. <laughs> it must have been, yeah. You know, because you wouldn't pay top dollar to do that. No, right. no, no. Yeah. Must have been pennies. So somewhere there's a field... I bet they're kicking themselves now. <laughs> yeah, definitely. There's a field nearby that, that was at one point, you know, manured, or whatever you call it, uh, by <laughs> ancient cats, dead ancient cats. Yeah. In fact, you know, every... <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's every 15 years, I imagine, in that field. It's a, there's a plague of scarab beetles comes in there. <laughs> it's... Eats everyone's pets. <laughs> okay, here we go. Okay. We're ready to rock. Take a journey into okay. the unknown. The paranormal. So as I'm saying, I'm not going to go through all of them. Uh, if anyone listening to this at any point wants to know more about the A to Z of high strangeness in and around Merseyside... They can look it up on the blog. I presume I will have published by the time that's done. Although I am having trouble with the letters I, U, V, and Y um, for strange things in and around Merseyside. So I am having trouble with those things at the moment. But hopefully by the time this this as a podcast is released, um, I will have completed the A to Z of... What, what's the problem? What's the problem with those those letters? I just don't know anything about anything strange that happened to do with those letters. Uh, U is it really? But I had Y, and at one point I was thinking of putting Yetis in. Yetis. Uh, yetis. No, it's got to be in and around there. Yeti. Well, letter A was ancient cults and entry. Have you ever? Are you aware of the ancient cults and entry? We don't have to go into that in detail. No, go on, go on. Over What's the ancient cults? Well, the ancient cults and entry was just basically that there's rumours that robed figures are seen on a field quite near to you know where the Grand National takes place, uh, just performing some sort of ceremony. And they're seen every so often, apparently, and uh, there's a. 14 Times article about it where they try to figure out stuff. But Tom Slemon uh, says that they're an ancient cult called the Lily White Boys who predate Christ. And they were into child sacrifice and were once seen performing a fertility dance during an air raid blackout. It was, I think is it Morris? Because I think Morris is like a fertility dance, isn't it? I th- yeah, I suppose most dancers are fertility dancers in some way, aren't they? <laughs> Unless you, you've never seen me dance, I mean, mine's an in, infertility dance. <laughs> but we addressed 
the ancient cult of it. Have you ever been to ancient Italy? Yeah, I got my COVID tested, ain't she? Ah. Yeah. So, so you can can you imagine ancient cults? Uh, oh, just, definitely, uh, because like when I went to Avertree, they gave us a PCR. But like when I went to um, when I went to Aintree, a load of druids waved some sage at me. For many years now, Bowl Street has been the site of one of the most notorious of Liverpool's many time slips. Locations that provide gateways to other eras. The most publicised case in the mid-1990s involves a man who experienced a temporal disturbance while waiting to meet his wife on the busy city centre thoroughfare. According to John Repian, writing in 800 Years of Haunted Liverpool, the shops on Bold Street suddenly appeared as they had 15 years earlier. I find it pleasingly believable that he was transported to an era when things were only slightly different. In Paranormal Merseyside by S.D. Tucker, <laughs> a representative of the group Para.Science puts forward the idea that the nearby electric rails of Central Station may have created strong magnetic fields that can affect the human mind. Oh, for heaven's sake. Time itself. <laughs> Uh, you know what I think will affect time itself? The fact that there was, in the 90s, there was a shop that sold magic mushrooms on Bold Street around that corner. <laughs> yeah. There was, wasn't there? Yeah, I've got a vague bit. I think they, they, were they the shop that used to deliver? Would deliver magic mushrooms? They might do. I, I know that there was a legal loophole that let them sell them in a soil punnet, but they couldn't put them in any other receptacle because it had to be naturally growing in something. In a right. soil punnet? Yeah, my sister took some magic mushrooms once. She said that her skin was like oil and she phoned up dad and said that she was dying. Yeah. Oh, that must be quite terrifying. It was know. quite terrifying for her. Yeah. And, you know, it was the 90s and everyone was like, oh, this is lo like loads of fun and all that, but it was a right powerful, big, massive mushroom. And, yeah, well, as you, you know, freaked right, her out. This, <laughs> this incident happened in the 1990s as well. Uh, have you ever heard of this incident before? Has this ever come across? What were the what were were nineteen nineties Liverpool turned into mid nineteen eighty? I'm guessing, and I'm gonna just go through uh, one of the descriptions of the Bold Street time slip, if that's okay with you. It's from uh, I don't know yeah, if you can see this book, uh, Paranormal Merseyside by S. D. Tucker. S. D. Tucker writes for the Fourteen Times, which is a, a a really good read. He says here that the most famous story concerning the time slip uh, concerns in this version of it, by the way, because I've got um, uh, 800 Years of Haunted Liverpool with me by John Repian as well, and he tells exactly the same story slightly differently, which I think what you come across a lot when you're looking at these types of things, folklore and stuff like that, is basically Chinese whispers. So, you know, yeah. you're always getting ultimate versions. Of, but I find a few things interesting in this particular uh, version of the story. So he's an off-duty policeman from Melling, right, which is near where the ancient cults of... Uh, Entry. Uh, lily about. white boys the lily white boys yeah mm. this guy was called frank and he'd gone with his wife spending a saturday afternoon shopping in liverpool city center carol went to dylan's bookshop which is now waterstone oh it's you know, is waterstones even still there? from nowhere no no waterstones is now taco bell right well that building anyway the taco bell build so yeah so it was dylan's in the 90s Okay, so Dylan's was a bookshop. So his wife was going to Dylan's, 
And she was going there to buy a copy of Train Spotting by Irv Welsh. This is definitely the 90s now, isn't it? Well, I like that specificity, you know, he's, he's really gone to town with the specifics. I mean, I don't think this is necessarily S.D. Tucker's uh, own take on it. I think he's got it possibly from Tom Slemmer or, you know, one of the, you know, one of the other guys who writes mm. these stories up. But yeah, I love, you get a lot in these stories where they'll try to be specific and it's almost as if it's to make it more believable, you know, that she, yes. was, she was buying a copy of Train Spot by Ev Welsh and he... Uh, I took a stroll up to a record store in Rambler Street to get himself a CD. Do you know what I mean? I think we're, we're, we're in there. <laughs> <laughs> it was Skunk and Nancy's Paranoid and Sunburnt. <laughs> so about 20 minutes or so later, Frank returned to meet his wife at the bookshop. But as he came up to Bold Street, right, from Rambler Street, okay, as he came up to Is Bold Street... Is that how you pronounce it? I think so, but that there's Rana, a lot of rain lau. You say rain lau. I've yeah, never heard anyone pronounce rain, it rain lau. Rain lau. There's a lot of different. Yeah, Ranala, Ranala. Surely it's Ranala. I think it's rain lau. It can't be or, or rain, I would have heard people rain, say rain luff. Rain luff. No, it's Ranala. I'm saying Ranala. Yeah, well, we're all in consensus that you don't pronounce the G. Uh, yeah, so he's been on Randall Street buying his CD. So I presume in Our Price Records, because Our Price Records was on Randall Street. So, right. Or he could have gone around the corner, slightly off Randall Street, to go to uh, like a second-hand record shop that also sold film posters that later became the Bar Savat. Ah, okay. Yeah, so... Uh, so yeah, he's round there buying a CD anyway. Yeah, and he comes back up onto Bold Street. Has he bought his CD there. now? And he's dead chuffed. I presume he has. It doesn't state what the CD is, but as you said, it's probably Salad or Skunk and Anti, uh, or one of those bands. Yeah, Lush. And then he, Lush. It might have been Lush. I don't know. He's a, he's an off-duty policeman, remember as well. So I think we're more likely to be dealing with uh, ah. simply Red Man. I think yeah, probably... it wouldn't have been Lush or Veruca Salt or anything like that, will it? No, yeah. it's simply yeah. red. Jamiroquai. Oh. Do you think Jamiroquai? Maybe, maybe Jamiroquai, yeah. Yeah, yeah because Phil it's smooth, so Phil Collins, like... Some sort of Phil Collins' greatest hits. Mm. So he's just bought whatever he's bought, Phil yeah. Collins' greatest hits, uh, and he gets up onto Bowl Street again, and the area had become strangely quiet. Okay. Now, he was then nearly knocked down. Now, this is a different version. You know what I was saying? 15 years before. Hmm. That, that's in Repian's version. In this version, it's a 1950s-style box van. But this hmm. vehicle had the word Kaplan's written across its side. That turns out, it doesn't really get fully mentioned here. It's an old company, basically, you know, in Liverpool. Um, the presence of the traffic in this area rather surprised Frank, as Bold Street has, in recent years, been essentially pedestrianised. Which is true. It's awkward, you know, if you're ever in a vehicle around Bowl Street. Going up to the bookstore, Frank was surprised to find that it was no longer there. Instead, its front window showed a display of handbags and ladies' shoes, and the name Crips was written on the sign over its few entrances. At this point, Frank noticed that all of the people around him were dressed in old-fashioned clothes from the 1940s or 50s, which really disturbed him. 
Okay, so wow. that, you know, you know, he's totally immersed. I, I think actually in the Repian version, Repian describes it as an immersive haunting, which I think is a boss way of of describing it. Really, I mean, you know, it's like yeah, it's yeah. Like the whole thing is a ghost. You know, he, you know, yeah, he's, he's, transported into a ghost verse. And John Repian, whoa, I don't know what that was. Poltergeist, obviously, it was a poltergeist. Uh, yeah, so John Repian's book. Uh, it's pretty much the same story, a few little minor differences. But he says in it that, well, basically, he says it's 15 years earlier that the man uh, is transported to. Now, both stories are pretty much the same, but I would say the one with 15 hey, years. Hello. Yeah. Oh, hello. Oh, one sec. Sorry. What's that, though? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'll just get the baby monitor. I'll go for a wee while you do that. All right. Thank you. Good stuff. Right. 15 years anyway, that's what I was saying. In the haunted Liverpool version, it's 15 years that he transported. That is quite some discrepancy, isn't it? Well, it's a massive discrepancy. Um, but what I was more featuring, uh, thinking about myself is that it makes it more believable to me. The 15 years makes it, you know, it's like, you know, it's like when people say they had a past life. And, you know, it's like um, they'll say they, they used to be Florence Nightingale or they used to be uh, Napoleon Bonaparte or whatever. <laughs> uh, you know, it's highly unlikely that that is the case. But as if someone says, I've got a past life and I was uh, um, a chartered accountant, you know, who lived in <laughs> Burnley uh, and not much happened. Really. It was a bit shit. It was a, it was a, it was a rubbish. Yeah, because that stuff happens, doesn't life. it? Like, by and large, you know, that mm. would make it more believable. However, a certain thing about going back, like, say, a few weeks of the world is like, it's almost like it's akin to having a ghost that's still alive. It's like the, the mundanity of mundanity, mundanity. Uh, you know, it being mundane makes it more believable to me. <laughs> did you, uh, did you ever meet Colin, the, the straw guy? In no. and around the Smithtown area or indeed Matthew street and possibly lots of other places. He's, he's a, a big drinker. He's only a little tiny man, very small man. You know, a very small, thin man with a suit. He always wears a suit. He always covered in coal dust and he drank in Kelly's. Uh, I've never seen him covered in coal dust. He does a trick uh, with... This fella didn't wear a suit. He was just covered in muck. Oh, no. This is I'm thinking of different well, This person. fella always had a suit. 
Colin always has a suit. And he does a little trick with straws. Um, oh, yes. Wait a minute. He's sort of like a smiley, bald fella. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Colin. Yeah. Well, he, he once said to me, because um, I used to have some bad conversations with Colin, but he said to me once that he'd lived past lives. <laughs> and I said, well, what was like, you know, the most interesting past life he'd lived? And he said to me, uh, I was in the Crusades. He was, was a knight during the Crusades. I said, oh, really? I said, I said to him, what was it like? He went, shite. <laughs> <laughs> and that was it. You know, there was, <laughs> there was, <laughs> and I didn't even ask for any more. You know, I didn't want any more than that. Though. Shite. Shite. <laughs> <laughs> he probably was. You know, yeah. he probably was. Because, you know, think about what would Saladin say. Well, yeah, it would have been shit, wouldn't it? It would have been dead shit mm. being a being a night door on the crusades. Makes you think about, you know, that sort of thing, doesn't it? It definitely does. Makes you think about all kinds. Mm. <laughs> but does does you know like the time slip? Uh, I mean, you get them everywhere. Do you, do you, so you you have time slips in Ozzle Twizzle. No, no, but I've heard it. Well, Ozzle Twizzle is a time slip in itself. told me that Meryl Street was dead. Um, somebody still told me that Meryl Street was dead. Um, somebody still told me that Meryl Street was dead. Um, somebody still told me that Meryl Street was dead. And I'm sure she isn't. No, Meryl Street's not dead. Oh, phew, thank God. These Slanks Road, are you aware of these Slanks Road? I am very aware of these Lex Road. I travel, I travel, I travel, well, I don't travel to East Lancashire along the East Lancashire Road, actually. But yeah, I am aware of it. You, it's how you get to Kirby, isn't it? You go past it that is. cinema. Yeah. It is. I'm going to briefly t- tell you about the East Lancashire Road from my uh, article, which is available on my blog, Finger Me Bob and a Doodle. Okay. Mm. Right. It's, uh, I grew up next to the Liverpool stretch of the East Lancashire Road a dull dual carriageway that goes as far as Salford. I witnessed no paranormal activity while living there, but I do remember a sense of living on the very edge of the city, which was the starting point of an anonymous nowhere space. In Mysteries of the Mersey Valley, which is this book here, I've got there for you. Um, Mysteries of the Mersey Valley, UFO expert Jenny Randalls describes a road where Anomalous occurrences are as common as pile-ups and tailbacks. In 1978, a couple driving home to Lee saw a six-foot man (laughs) blowing orange in the central reservation. A motorcyclist travelling to Manchester in 1985 during the early hours of May 5th met two aliens in ski suits who claimed to be from the third solar system. Wow. So this is the East Lanks Road. East Lanks Road is 
a major part of what Kenny Rample describes as the Wonderland theme. Uh, yes, yeah. yeah, in between Wimbledon. Liverpool and Kirby. Why does that not surprise me? <laughs> you know, that somebody maintains that they're from the third solar system. But yeah, yeah, right. I'm going to read you a little bit about the uh, that last one, the motorbike guy who saw the uh, the people from the third solar system. Yeah. You know, those ones. Okay. So you've got... Uh, He's basically, he's from Liverpool, but he lives in Rochdale, right? Yeah. So regularly he goes to his mate's house in Liverpool still, you know, and, he, and he, when he's driving home, he stops off and has a cup of tea out of a flask and stuff, you know. It's, it's quite a boring, <laughs> really, this bit at the start of it. Hmm. Um, but then, you know, as he's going along, he's, he's actually, he's drinking a cup of tea, at 4.30 in the morning. So he must have had quite a lively time back at Liverpool. Um, so 4.30 in the morning, he's drinking a cup of tea. And in the still early morning, he suddenly became aware of a humming sound from an adjacent field. Still clasping his cup, John walked through a gap <laughs> in the wooden fence into the field. A silvery, silvery glow emanated from a dip in the ground some distance away. Before he could get any closer, he became aware of two figures walking towards him. Instinctively, he became, began walking back to his motorcycle when a voice said, don't be afraid. <laughs> but now, just a few feet away, illuminated by the headlamp. Although similar in appearance, they were of different sexes. The female was approximately five feet tall, her male companion just a few inches taller. <laughs> they were, this, this is my favorite bit. They were dressed in ski-type suits. Made from a material resembling <laughs> Lorex. What's Lorex? I don't know what Lorex is. Each had an egg-shaped implement attached to a belt around the waist. I love egg. But who are you and where are you from? John nervously blurted out. The woman who did all the talking replied, we are from the third solar system. Sensing the absurdity of the situation... <laughs> John literally pinched himself. He literally pinched himself. But there's only one solar system, he said, in your galaxy, she ambiguously <laughs> qualified. But what are you doing here, he asked. The answer was, we have to make some minor adjustments to our craft. At this point, John became more relaxed and found himself asking all sorts of questions. <laughs> How, for instance, did their craft work? The female informed him that the craft utilized the Earth's magnetic field and gravity as a source of propulsion, but declined a further, fuller explanation because it was beyond his ability to comprehend, she said. Then, wow. as John remained beside his motorcycle, motorcycle didn't it? <laughs> the odd couple walked back towards the glow in the field, and then they just got off in the spaceship, basically. That was, that's how it ends. Wow. They just got off. So they, they, they you know, gave John some information on uh, how their spaceship worked. So yeah, limited. You know? At the same time, it's like, oh, you wouldn't understand. He's be like, try me. I, I'm, I'm a motorbike enthusiast. Yeah, I, I suppose, yeah. yeah. So the East Langs Road, though, so what do you think of the East Langs Road then now that you know? Well, it gives me a whole new perspective on the barren wasteland around East Langs Road. It is right quite a frightening place. Yeah. In many ways. Well, um, it is a lot like Mad Max past Thunderdome. It's quite a frightening place in many ways. 
Oh, for sure. Hey, just bear with me. I'm just going to come back. I've been busting well, for a week. I'm having one oh, as well. It's, so. it's affecting my wit. <laughs> I'll be back in a moment. Um, somebody still told me that Meryl Streep was dead. Let me move on anyway. I want to move on to Gerald Gardner. Now, do you know anything about Gerald Gardner? I do not. I'm going to right, read so out. Who's, who's this Gerald Gardner chap? Well, I'm going, to, I'm going to read out what I wrote about him first, okay? And then we'll discuss it. I, I should have some more vague information on Gerald Gardner elsewhere, but it is. Even though your pagan friends believe that they are following traditions that go back well before Christianity, most forms of paganism are actually quite modern. Wiccan witchcraft, for instance, was created by a guy called Gerald, Gerald Gardner, who was born in Blundelsands in 1884. Wow. Blundelsands lies north of Liverpool and is also the place that spawned Anne Robinson of The Weakest Link. And, yeah, well, there you go. Well, again, that are the two, the two there may be a causal... <laughs> Link between oh, yeah. Wicca, the invention of witchcraft, and yeah, the the, <laughs> the spawning of Anne Robinson from the grounds of Blundellsand. So, did uh, you know about paganism or most modern forms of paganism? Yeah, being, well, actually, studied actually modern things completely. I studied religion in history, um, so uh, that that rings true. The fact that you pagan, the term pagan is a Roman term for a not Christian. Yeah. So basically, if you weren't a Christian, then you were a pagan, you were something else. So it's not a religion in itself, you know. Uh, I mean, it is a religion in itself now, but that's yeah, a yeah. modern like that's a modern take. Pagan in the truest sense of the word was the lumping in of all religions into one umbrella term which meant not Christian, not the yeah. Roman faith, you know. And then, yeah, um, in the same way that Hindu um, was basically like all the collections of faith of India under colonial Britain, you know. Oh, right. Uh, um, like, oh. and, and they, they, they took all of the religious texts, made it into the Vedas, and the, the Brahmo Samaj, which is like their church, was like a British structure based on the Christian church, incorporating all of the local tiny religions but the same with paganism you know like they were all brought together under one colonial power um, okay right you know so i mean paganism in itself it's yeah it's it's just a term 
It's not um it's not a religion. Is because covens are an excuse for sexual orgies. Oh that's nonsense. You see they've got a very good religion of their own and they work a uh, little magic if they want to. But of course most of it is just they have a little dinner and a dance. Well what do you dress in when you dance? <laughs> the traditional witch's costume. Which is what? <laughs> the skin. <laughs> In the news, I did read about um, like a resurgence in witchcraft in North Wales through okay. the Catholic Church. So, like, the Catholic Church still do exorcisms, yeah? Yeah. And, like, uh, it's not something that they do a lot. And this was part of my degree, was, like, this testimony from, like, these these priests... They've been asked to perform exorcisms more and more. It's like been increasing, like the levels of exorcisms that they've been asked to do, and like you know, and protective sort of protective old, like very old sort of different um, rituals and things. You know, they're sort of dragging out of the books, and the reason being is because there's this resurgence in witchcraft, and some of you know, like Wiccans, they'll say they're the white witches, and they're all that, right? yeah, yeah, like you know, they're they're benevolent and that, but. There was people started getting very scared, like in North Wales, because old women, well, not old women, like, you know, people were coming up and cursing the children, like, you know, so somebody had a baby and, like, they'd, they'd be visited by somebody in the village who'd be whispering things to them, like, and all that, like, and, and like, hiding things under the pillows, and they found it were curses, and the, there was covens of witches... And this is recent. Be, this is yeah. This, this is quite recent. So, like the you know the priests had to perform these rites and these exorcisms because witchcraft has become such a a, a popular thing that they're scaring the crap out of people and they're, they're cursing them, you know. And it's actually a real nasty thing to do, whether you believe it or not. Oh, like, yeah. It's a horrible thing to do to scare somebody like that, you mm. know. And so, like you know, the priests are saying, well, actually, it's becoming quite a problem now you know we're having to do right. these things like you know that you know that we, we have to do these exorcisms and these old rites and rituals that we we haven't done for for years and years you know like you know half of us haven't even come across them but like you know we're being asked to do this we're being asked to protect yeah, yeah. against malevolent spirits and stuff like that you know so and that's north wales which is quite similar i imagine it's quite a similar um issue in liverpool as well you know like, well, back in the seventies, definitely. I mean, like there were. I mean, it wasn't the Catholic Church; it was the uh, Church of England had a, a, two official exorcists to yeah. the, uh, you know, to their what, what is it, the diocese, diocese or whatever, uh, and they had these two fellows who they would use to perform exorcism rites. And they're really interesting to read about. Like I say, they're really interesting to read about because there's an article that I wrote for my blog post about them. <laughs> um, but I, I only found out about them by trawling through newspapers. And mm. they, they turned up in newspapers loads in the 70s. So there was a big resurgence in witchcraft in the 70s, which led to this backlash against it with mm. Christianity, where there was these mad exorcisms and it's insane some of the stories you'll read about it but um but yeah you're saying that's that's fairly recent in wales you're saying mm. yeah yeah no yeah, wales. So. but gardner gardner gerald gardner you know the wicked guy from blundell sands mm. uh if you ever get a chance watch a documentary about him because it's 
you know, really quite interesting. There's one that I've seen that you can get on YouTube, that, which, you know, it's not the greatest documentary, but it's just got some no. really interesting stuff in it. But one of them is about how he uh, performed what he called Operation Cone of Power. <laughs> he went to High Cliff on Sea and he staged uh, with other Wiccans uh, a magical assault on the mind of Adolf Hitler. And so what they did is they stood at this place and they, they enacted this ritual. I'm not entirely sure what the ritual was, but it was to ensure that the Germans would never uh, come onto British soil. The Germans would never reach British soil. And when was this? Like the, the 70s? <laughs> no, this uh, is during the war. This is during the uh, war. They, 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 they were doing their bit for the war effort. The witches were doing their bit for the war effort. So they had the Operation Cone of Power. They battered Adolf Hitler's head. So he just didn't know what was going on. And he never quite got to British soil. And so it was because of witches that, that they never got to British soil. So in a weird way, Gerald Gardner should be on the £10 note, possibly. Yeah, God bless him. In fact, it was actually um, like, yeah, like it, it was Catalog, his tale was told in... Uh, Bed knobs and broomsticks, wasn't it? You know that might have actually it might have actually been a nod to Gerald Gardner. I'm not sure what happened, but I've never seen bed knobs. Which is joined the war effort. Ah, right. Yeah, yeah. Okay. You know, and you know, they 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 get they 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 haunt like you know, like uh, basically like uh, Angela Lansbury is like a witch, right? And she, she enchants a bed knob, which makes this bed go to like different places but she needs like this spell book which this like slight charlatan showman guy has like uh, got the second half of the book of astaroth right and um, right. like she's got the first bit well. yeah it's great film it's got yeah. some amazing songs in it really really good songs anyways they come together they like they join forces and they they got the two sides of the book and they see off the german invasion Using oh, witchcraft, right. and they right. possess a pair of boots that kick a kick a Nazi up the bum, right? And then, like <laughs> a, a suit of armor chases him off and scares him, and like a, you know, an apron flies, and they all go, ah, Himmel, ah, this England, this crazy man, and they all bog <laughs> off, like get back in the boat and f off you, back to where they came from, as well they should. I, Fucking I can't Europeans. believe I've never seen it. Uh, you really I mean, I'm to. aware of it. I've just never, never sat down. Watch it with Henry. It's like yeah. it's honestly a fantastic song. Portobello Road, like uh, playing along. Yeah, I can play pretty much all of them. Mistakes. How pleasant bobbing along, bobbing along on the bottom of the beautiful briny sea. What a chance to get a better peak. At the plants and creatures of the deep we glide. Uh -huh. Sorry, I'll have to do it again. Okay. okay. Bobbing along. Right. Bobbing along. How pleasant bobbing along. Bobbing along on the bottom of the beautiful briny sea. What a chance to get a better peak. At the plants, the creatures of the deep we glide Underneath the rolling tide 
Each clown Bubbles over with romance Have a banana Woo. It's pleasant bobbing along Bobbing along on the bottom of the beautiful briny sea Far from the frenzy of the frantic world above To beneath the blue who can really fall in love Bobbing along singing a song On the bottom of the beautiful briny sea Look, a cod How pleasant bobbing along, along, bobbing along On the bottom of the beautiful briny sea What a chance to get a better peek At the plants and creatures of the deep It's grand as we dance upon the sand each glance bubbles over with romance It's pleasant bobbing along Bobbing along on the bottom where we get along Swimmingly Far from the frenzy of the frantic world above To beneath the blue can really fall in love Bobbing along singing our song on the bottom of the beautiful briny, shimmery, shiny, beautiful briny sea. Hey, Thank you very much. All, all classics, every single one of them. You know what? It's up there with Mary Poppins. Stale smells up here often come from down there in your carpet. Smells from your dog and tobacco too. Well, shaken back from Gladys here. It's all you have to do. Do the shake and back and put the freshness back. Do the shake and back and put the freshness back. When your carpet smells fresh, your room does too. Every time you vacuum, remember what to do. Do the shake and back and put the freshness back. Shake and back in three fragrances. Now, the only the, the only other thing I was going to talk about before we finish, well, was the leprechauns, which I do want to talk about, and Springhill Jeff. So I'm thinking, is there a way of us doing it? Because I'm going on holiday. Oh, where are you going? On is a York. Oh, lovely. So, but yeah, yeah definitely, definitely. We, we, we'll try and finish it off. I, th- I think maybe we should end it here because I'm getting a bit knackered. Okay, yes, me too. It's 10 o'clock. It's well past my bedtime. I but... haven't spoken to anyone for this long in maybe <laughs> a year. You know, you know well, <laughs> in a long time anyway. So Yeah, it's been I great. Think, yeah, it's yeah. really good speaking to you. I've got to just call Carter in because I need to figure out. I don't want to... Uh, lose the record, Cara. Yeah, no, no worries, Cara. The Penny Lane Dreadful Two, Dave Chap Part One, was presented by Matt Barton with contribution from Dave Owen and technical support from Cara Governor. Music was written by Matt Barton, with additional musical performances from Captain Dave Owen. Please like, share, tell your friends, all of that business.
because I spent many, many years uh, with long hair and people shouting at me, calling me a hippie in the street. And then as soon as my hair fell out, I had a fella in a van drive past me and shout, you bald bastard. Um, <laughs> Did you know him? No, 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 just your bald bastard as he as he drove it. Bastard as well, it's going a bit far, isn't it? Your bald bastard. <laughs> I think it's a uh, hate crime. <laughs> well, I would definitely say that. But yeah, so, you know, these times have changed. Times have changed. Robocop. Robocop. Right, okay, let's do Robocop. Okay, this uh, is... You don't have to do a lot of it. You know no, what I mean? no. You well, out. there's two there's two sides to the Robocop, so I'll introduce it. Like, so this is like your standard Robocop theme, and then there's the other bit where it gets skewered. Like, you know. Well, uh, yeah. No, 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 it's the same one, but it just more like, he slows it a bit down, makes it a bit more dramatic, so... Yeah. So this would be the first bit of Robocop, you know, like, so like, you know, this is the original Robocop, you know. Ah, oh, one, two, three, this is the original bit of Robocop. One, two, three, four. Kids, hey, have you got anything to say to the kids, Robocop? Stay out of trouble. There you go, Robocop. Well, thank you very much. It's a well, it's a beautiful piece of music. Thank you, sir. Well, I didn't write it. I really interpreted it. <laughs> it is the, uh, in my opinion, poss possibly the best film I've ever made. 